by Nephi. Brass balls. Two balls. Fine balls. Thy Nephi, I did break my balls. Look upon my balls. Look upon my balls. Look upon my balls. Balls, balls, balls. Thy Nephi, beheld the balls. Balls of curious workmanship. Welcome back, dear listener, to the I, Nephi podcast. In part five, I will be continuing on the previous theme, Through a Glass Saintly. Welcome to the Brass Balls Awards. It takes brass balls. Oh, we've got big balls! We've got big balls! An examination of Mormon creators, themes, and representation in the 21st century. From Julianne and Derek Huff's hoofing to David Archuleta's whiffing, If you ain't first, you're last. Those practicing or repping the faith have been quite visible in the last 20 years. The year 2000 saw fine films from Don Bluth's Titan A.E. to Neil LeBute's Nurse Betty. While 2006 got stunk up by Orson Scott Card's worst novel ever, Empire, and the terrible remake of The Wicker Man. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! What the H, Neil Labute? Mitt Romney gave it a good try. If you ain't first, you're last. Twice. The church had a win with its support of Prop 8, but lost ground with the Obergefell decision and found opposition from some of its own, like Neon Tree's Tyler Glenn and Imagine Dragons' Dan Reynolds with his founding of the Love Loud Festival. Gotta be so cold to Hey, there he is. Yeah, you're a natural. Aw, thanks, I'm trying. You need some water or anything? So cold. A little reverb? All right, see you later. Also, Sometimes athletes are Mormon. Without further ado, I present, in honor of that curious brass ball, the Liahona, the Brass Balls Awards. Balls. 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 Show me your balls. First up. Best Road Trip to Nauvoo by a Primetime Cable TV Family. This one is a tie. I award one ball each to Big Love and Sister Wives. For lack of actual Mormon sitcoms, let's give it up for our fellow restorationists who bring family prayers, dinner prayers, and travel prayers to our TV screens. Where else will you see a family of 15 to 30 trundle across the Midwest in pilgrimage to our esteemed founder? And in the process, share some fun facts about eternal marriage with America. Here, Bill Paxton portrays Bill Hendrickson, who, while visiting Carthage jail with his three wives and brood, schools a docent and a fellow tourist who is LDS about Martyr Joe's marital status. At the time of his death, I believe he had 32 wives. Read Brody or even Bushman. I just think there's an essential truth about our prophet's martyrdom that you're leaving out. 32 is not that unusually high a number. 
There would have been many widows and orphan girls who would have needed the prophet's protection. Raise your hand if this was the explanation for polygamy you grew up with. Uh-huh. However, his wives were neither orphans nor widows. In point of fact, many of them were indeed widows and orphans. Reality program Sister Wives depicted a similar holy road trip. Here is tour guide Joseph Johnston sharing some Nauvoo history. Hiram suggested that Joseph Smith have one of the scribes write down the revelation that talked about polygamy, which is now Doctrine and Covenants section 132. DNC 132 is still canon scripture, and among other things, it establishes the precedent and contemporary application of eternal marriage, singular and plural. And with peculiar specificity, compels Joseph Smith's wife Emma to be cool with it. Or else. God commanded Abraham, and Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to wife, because this was the law. And from Hagar sprang many people. Abraham received concubines, and they bore him children. And if he have ten virgins given unto him by this law, he cannot commit adultery, therefore is he justified. And I command mine handmaid Emma Smith, if she will not abide this commandment, she shall be destroyed. Tell her to chill! Just chill out, honey bunny! Cody Brown summarizes this edict as the capital P principle and has devoted his life to it. Did God tell you this or did you make this up? Well, Cody Brown believes that God told him to do it. Here he gets some education about just how obedient Joseph Smith was. How many wives did Joe Smith really have? How many? Well, it's best anybody can count, about 33. Wow. It was 33. I thought it was 17. Uh, there's pretty good documentation for 33. And how many times have you been eternally wed, Brother Brown? Like um, three or four times, maybe. I'll pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. He did a, a fine job of it, but I'm not interested in that big a task. But wait, there's more. Of those 33, if I remember correctly, 12 of them were already married to other men. Now, they were just sealed to him while they were married to other men. They were wives in every sense of the word. Wait a minute. Okay, really? wait a minute. What? The Browns, like so many, needed a minute to process polyandry. That's why they call it the Learning Channel, right? Only on TRC. Balls. Next, best use of Kirby Hayborn, non-target related. Kirby Hayborn. He's 30% affable, 20% goofy, 25% Luke Wilson's face, and 25% Owen Wilson's hair. In the gold ball division, we have Sons of Provo, the only Mollywood movie that matters. The RM was okay. Sons follows Christopher Guest's mockumentary template quite effectively to tell the story of Mormon boy band Everclean. Maybe it is just a clothesline for hanging up some great parody songs but Sons of Provo is the only one of those aughts Mormon movies I would watch again. Brass Ball Division, the two best years. I love the first 15 minutes. It's like if The Office was about missionaries. 
Yeah, the reports. Yes, I know they were due yesterday. We taught 11 discussions, placed 14 Book of Mormons, made nine referrals, proselyted 52 hours, zero challenges, zero baptisms. However, we are challenging someone tonight. Yeah. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. Having passed on a mission myself, I'm fascinated by portrayals of the proselytizing life. Elder Calhoun! Oh God, head elders! Once Kehei enters the picture, the broad writing and direction of his Forrest Gump-like Elder Calhoun ruin the established tone, and the film becomes dull despite his efforts. Steel Ball Division. It's fine, Steel. It's fine. Hayborn plays Sam, that other Nephi's younger brother, in 2003's The Book of Mormon movie, comma, Volume 1, colon, The Journey. What a missed opportunity that was. You would kill your own brother? If only that story could be adapted by an organization with billions of dollars, so the wigs and beards would look really, really good. The single directing credit of one Gary Rogers, this tale of pale, blonde, seafaring Jews neither burned up the cineplexes nor merited any further volumes, despite one of cinema's finest shipbuilding scenes. It's only a model. And a nuanced treatment of the source text's inherent racial themes. I want you to go to the camera and, and just... <laughs> but you look pretty bad, but I want you to really play to the camera like that. Balls. Did you see that guy's balls? Yeah, they were weird looking. The thing with Mormon in the title that pissed off my mom. We got another two baller, one each for Trey Parker and Matt Stone. The South Park episode, All About Mormons, which aired on November 19th, 2003, features a wacky depiction of family home evening. Joseph Smith was called a prophet, dum 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 dum. But then shares a troubling account, supported by Richard Bushman and the Doctrine and Covenants, of 116 manuscript pages lost during the translation, quote unquote, of the Golden Plates, quote unquote. In 2003, though firmly inactive, I'm pretty sure I would have agreed with what Gary says at the end. Maybe Joseph Smith did make it all up. But I have a great life, and a great family, and I have the Book of Mormon to thank for that. By the time the Book of Mormon musical debuted, hundreds of podcast hours and one damning personal revelation later, in 2011, there was some gratification for me in seeing the church skewered. In no way did I have the means to see it on Broadway, but I immediately purchased the soundtrack CD and consumed any interview or article I could find about it. Mormons, for yeah. the most part, are yeah. really likable yeah. people, yeah. you know, and that's part of why we wanted to make a musical about it because it was really like, aren't Mormons fascinating? And isn't this just, it's crazy what they believe, but really, I don't, we've never met a Mormon we don't like, you know, they're right. all just so nice. And the last thing we wanted too was for any, the show to come off cynical. You know, if, if it all is pointing towards optimism and pointing towards having fun and being happy, then, you know, it was okay. What? 
for that, that that song, you know, that's probably the, the moment when like, that they get to Africa and they realize this place is a lot different than Salt Lake City. But in the end, you need that number so that at the end of the musical, you can have people say, thank you, God. Right. In other words, there has to be this journey. The whole like end that. of the thing, you've come to this wonderful thing. You're so, almost telling the story of how religions develop. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was disappointed that the other Nephi was not a character. I think the word Nephite appears once. The touring company came to Houston in September 2013, and the missus and I made an anniversary date of it. I loved it. It is among my top three live theater experiences. To this day, hello is my ringtone. On the night, I hesitated to post about it on Facebook. I was really torn about it, knowing my audience was evenly split between folks who would be happy that I was enjoying a nine Tony Award winning musical and Mormons. Most of the latter did not disappoint. My mother did, bless her heart, and it kind of hurt my feelings. From what I have heard, I wouldn't waste one dime on it. If it is not kind to my beautiful book and church, forget it. I spent about 2,000 dimes on it, actually. I posted the following. The rich tradition of religious satire, from the Canterbury Tales to nonsense, is intrinsically irreverent and vulgar, and this piece exuberantly so. Ultimately, it affirms that faith and religion, and tap-dancing features, are vital components of the human experience. The church has lasted nearly two centuries, and the gospel is infinite. They will stand when the world has forgotten these fools bellowing on the proscenium. My wife and I had a very nice time watching it. Take that, Mom. Through this exchange, I learned that my aunt loved it. She had resigned in the year or so before, which I had assumed had something to do with her husband being a non-member, but we had never talked about it. We're not a talking kind of family. Through a conversation about the musical, my aunt and I had some really great discussions about church history and other issues. She had also started down some rabbit holes from watching Big Love. She didn't realize I had been exploring the same subjects. So like South Park's Gary, we had the Book of Mormon musical to thank for that. She's seen it several more times. She's a super fan. Best Solemnly Narrated Documentary American Experience, The Mormons This four-hour exploration of the faith aired in 2007, just in time for people who are asking, what's up with this Mitt Romney guy? To the Mormons, Joseph Smith is their prophet, their American Muhammad who revealed new and eternal truths. To the world, he is one of the most complex figures in religious history, the enigma at the core of this religion. It's a solid treatise featuring such heavy hitters as Grant Palmer, Terrell and Fiona Givens, and Richard Bushman, and it speaks plainly about the church's founding and early history, the temple, polygamy, and the Mountain Meadows Massacre. There was a renewed interest in this topic as its 150th anniversary approached arguably to steal momentum from Mitt Romney's presidential run. On September 11th, 1857, in the name of God, 
120 men, women, and children were savagely murdered. The film September Dawn premiered in August of 2007. Mormons, do your duty! <laughs> it's not that kind of duty. It starred Terrence Neal before Zod Stamp as an inexplicably accented Brigham Young. We take a solemn oath to never discuss this, even among ourselves. Dawn was poorly received, dismissed by Roger Ebert as a, quote, strange, confused, unpleasant movie, close quote. Amid this clamor, the church released a lengthy and unusually frank response, published officially as an article in the September 2007 Ensign, discussed here on Salt Lake City's ABC4 News. The Mountain Meadows Massacre remains one of the darkest moments in Utah and LDS Church history. Ironically, it took place on 9-11-1857. In the 19th century, to call someone a Mormon was akin to calling someone a Muslim terrorist. In this article, the church is openly discussing what happened. The article asks, quote, how could this have happened? How could members of the church have participated in such a crime? After 150 years, the wounds are still, are still open. I'm not sure you would have seen this five or ten years ago. This is really quite dramatic for the church. And it's in response, obviously, to the movie that's coming out. Or they, at least... They maybe. won't say that, but interesting timing. Very interesting. Balls. All I have in this world is my balls and my word. Outstanding Podcast. With such legends as Irreligiosophy, Infants on Thrones, Mormon Expression, Mormon Expositor, and Mormon Stories, fueling my dark curiosity in the 2000s, it's hard to pick a best or most influential one, but I'll go with the William Shun cast. When author William Shun presented his excellent memoir, The Accidental Terrorist, as a series of podcast episodes, I was first spellbound by his missionary misadventures, then walloped by his final assessment of Joseph Smith as a con man. The DIY style and format of his podcast was a huge influence on this one. I'll put a link to his book in the show notes. I have show notes. This podcast is legit. Balls. Chopper. Sick balls. And finally, Career Achievement Award. Let's fling some balls over, over them the mountains. mountains to Jared Hess, that auteur of Idaho. His initial trio of features, Napoleon Dynamite, Nacho Libre, and Gentleman Broncos, while not narratively linked, form an odd trilogy, a three-legged artistic declaration of quirky style and characters. We can add Ernius, Ainus, or Anus to just about anything and it becomes magical. Broncos is my favorite. It's just a fungus beef sharing a few yeast-like properties. The way Hess presents the different interpretations of yeast lords, to me at least, is saying something about how scripture can be perceived in various ways, despite what the truth might be. It seems his career path has turned to directing other people's scripts, but I hope he gets to create something wholly original again in the future. And let's toss a ball to Richard Dutcher, director of God's Army and Brigham City, among others. He strove to elevate the Mormon movie, 
but then experienced a faith crisis while researching a tragically never-made Joseph Smith biopic. I remember being intrigued by his letter to the Utah Daily Herald in 2007, stating matter-of-factly, quote, As many of you know, I am no longer a practicing member of the church, unquote. He also encouraged the Mormon film movement to rise above silly comedies. I took this message to heart as a fan of great cinema and one who is trying to create something meaningful and also ball jokes. Put the balls at the walls. Put the balls at the walls. As always, thanks for listening. And until next time, Nephi is my name. Man!